Welcome to Cooking with the Hazelnuts. Hey! The Valentine's Show. This is the show you will hear things like... <laughs> all, all I could hear was you going... Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> <laughs> we learn how to make chocolate chip cookies taste better. Hmm, wonder how you do that. We have a nacho recipe coming up. Why would anyone take ribs out of the snow? I'll listen more. Coming up right now on Cooking with the Hazelnuts. Hazelnuts, get out of here! <laughs> hey, everybody! Yes, indeed, hey. boy, have we got a show jam-packed for you, and I know we say that all the time, but we really do this time, and we did before, and... Uh, we are, again, uh, you know, it'd be really good if you ask me what I've been doing today, which is the... What have you been doing February. today? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I had my favorite, one of my favorite tuna dishes, uh, lunches, sandwiches, I should say, that I've talked about on the air before, and I'm going to talk about it again because I added a little bit different things this time. Uh, I just cool. didn't, know what, didn't know what to have, you know, just didn't, sometimes I just don't uh-huh. know. So I took yeah. out my pull and chop. Yep. And uh, did some onion, did some green pepper, did uh, mm. and then I put tuna in there, of course, and Yum. Um, a little celery and a dash of pickle lily. Y'all call it pickle, pickle lily, lily down there? It's you know relish. relish. Uh huh. Yep. And uh, did I was to know what you called it, but uh, it, it's, I call it relish. I was just trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I call it relish. I don't call it pickle lily. Yeah, it's relish. Never heard of that. I heard of. Uh oh. Not anymore. That is so weird. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. All of a sudden, when I, I well, you were going, all, all I could hear was you going. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> oh, and it's almost funny to leave in there because it's so spontaneous. I don't call it pickle <laughs> Well, you can tell we're in a funny mood here. Uh, so oh, man. What, we, what I did then was uh, just mixed everything up together and put it on some crackers and or uh, a sandwich. And it's so great. Use um, avocado instead of mayonnaise. And it's so great. <laughs> And then it just went away. Really? So you got the same burr, burr, burr sound that I was Yeah. Doing. It was hysterical. Oh, I know. It's so funny, especially when we're doing a show. <laughs> there, now you're back oh. in full full glory now. Oh, good. You are, too. Oh. What kind of crackers do you like it on? The tuna well, mixture. I, I like it on like a cracker with some whole grains in it, but I, I, I only had <clears throat> saltines at the time. So, oh. Yeah, I know. I know saltines. I don't know. I'm not. I, I just am not big on them. Well, I know. But, I use ooh. them for breading for the most part, but I, yep. I just didn't have any more. Yeah, know, sure. Else. So it was great. And then I just finished making some homemade meatballs for some spaghetti. <laughs> oh, using yum. regular sausage, you know, like your uh, <clears throat> farmland sausage, and uh-huh. uh, some good grade of hamburger and onion, seasoned breadcrumbs that I had to make myself in the Vitamix. Uh-huh. I think it was seasoned with sesame seeds and onions and the buns were. You know, some egg and onions and green pepper, and that's that was went into the meatballs. And they're baking right now to bake the grease off. Yum, yum, yum. Because I always make my meatballs. It's a lot easier, guys, if you're making... Well, this is my opinion. I mean, there might be guys out there that differ. 
but I always make my meatballs in the oven uh, first to drain the grease I off do of them. now. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yep, I do now. And then what do you do? You also do them on the stove too or what? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, of course. That's what I do. Then With I the sauce. With the sauce, yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I used to do them in like my mom and then I discovered that baking them really does work. And I mean, I just did it one day and wow. And and do you line your uh, pan with like foil or anything? I don't actually. I put them on a rack. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've done it on a rack. I've also done it on the top of a broiler pan. I've too. Yeah, yeah. Now, the neat thing about yeah. doing them that way is that uh, all the grease drains off. And you don't have to worry about it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people still drop them in. <clears throat> raw into their sauce and cook them that way and honestly really yes yes and wow honestly i like the taste of them better broiled off in the oven yeah me too than i do yeah i don't think i'd just drop them into sauce but i don't think it, it wouldn't be the same um texture doing it that way right yes yep you're absolutely <laughs> absolutely right so that's what i've been doing that wow. That and uh, I, along with you, have been arranging for the show that we're going to start on next week. Shall we talk yeah, a little I'm bit really about excited. that? Sure. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> excited! We have a whole bunch of guests coming for the instant pot demonstration. Yes. Do we know who is actually demonstrating, or is it mostly? Uh, does anyone there I well I, I don't know if it's actually going to be demonstrated I hope somebody can demonstrate it but yeah they're going to be Larry ta- or I bet Larry or Deb Lewis would or somebody but is Bill bringing other people he would like to I don't know if he, if he will or not but boy we're going to have a jam-packed okay. bunch of people I know it and you know I mean I think it's that's great we're going to have fun because I think Everyone else's, you know, experience, and I'd love to know whether they've used a pressure cooker before or not. And for some, it's a first. And yeah. you know, I mean, this this is fun. It really is fun. And for once, somebody's actually going to be talking about something that I have never had my hands on, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's really exciting. So this instant pot is a pressure cooker. But it's a lot of other things as well. And it has an app, an iPhone app. Does it also have an Android app? It does. I thought so. Yeah. And you can operate it even if you don't have a smartphone. I mean, I think there, but it won't be as accessible because there are raised buttons. Yeah. It can be operated by a touch panel. You can get around it. But how neat to be operating it from your phone. I know, that is so cool. Now, before I forget, I'd like to talk about something that I have not had my hands on, and that's a temperature probe or a thermometer that goes from, oh, it's like minus way down below there to, to over 400 degrees. So like car mechanics, well, mm. I'm trying to say that again, yeah. Car mechanics <laughs> can car use it. Car mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's infrared. Okay, and where's that going to be? I mean, are we? Is somebody talking about that as well? No, or? but I would like to really. Uh, I would love to hear a demonstration of it. So, if somebody out there has one of these things, um, I've seen it on Blind My Smart. That's the only place I've. Well, seen I wonder it if for, that's the one I bought that I was using for the um, for the eggnog. Was it ninety four dollars? 
Oh no. Yes. <laughs> no. This was ninety four. No, no. Yeah. Appar- okay. Apparently you go, then. Apparently you go. What's the temperature? And it just tells you. You don't have to touch anything. Oh. No, I don't know. Oh, how funny. <laughs> no, it's not It's not true. But apparently <laughs> uh, it's infrared, so I don't know if that means you don't have to touch anything or wow. or what. So uh, if hmm. you guys out there have an infrared, uh, and I'm talking about the infrared uh, device selling for around $94, I'd really like to hear a demo on it. Yeah. Cool. And, and uh, by the way, thanks guys for talking about us last uh, week. <laughs> like, like we wanna, we really are glad that we're bringing uh, things that you guys are interested in, like the popcorn meatloaf. Oh, I know. People were talking about that and all the popcorn that has been made in the Chex Mix. Um, uh, Rick and Brian even talked about it in their announcement for their show last Thursday. Yeah, um, it came up in the management meeting last week, and oh. it's just really funny. Yeah, wouldn't it be yeah. great if we could like all meet and like everybody would just bring us food? <laughs> well, you know what Brian and I also talked about was if if sometime a bunch of us uh, each make things and we have like a progressive dinner. Do you know what a progressive dinner is or a progressive meal? I certainly do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, everybody goes to different houses for different parts of the meal, and we could do it, like, virtually. It would be fun, yeah. We didn't have a progressive meal when I worked for uh, for Kodak. However, what would happen <coughs> was I would smoke the ribs. A friend of mine would bring coleslaw that he made from scratch with garlic and all the neat, good things that, you know, go with And somebody would actually bake a cake, and we would bring it all together. And that was a lot of fun in those days, and we did it a lot at work. Mm-hmm. And Oh, yum. Yeah, yum, was... yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Well, we got a couple of treats for this show. Yes, we uh, do. In addition to everything else that we're talking about, yeah. um, we have Brian Charlson who brought us into Charlson's Kitchen. He made nachos uh, that he decided to, you know, bring to the Yin Yang show when they were doing that uh, on Interactive the other night. They're always on every Thursday uh-huh. from six to nine. Yeah. And so he made nachos and brought us into his kitchen, and I think we'll be having a lot more of Brian around uh, hazelnuts, and sure, I'm hoping for that. And so um, I think I think that's a real treat. Oh, the I don't know that. Be- I want his nachos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they sounded really good, easy, and fun. And and then I uh, played around with the news app in the iPhone and um, would really like to find an easier way to share or extract the info from the articles because I was kind of cutting and pasting things over to um, an email message to myself and then, and then taking the file and copying it and, and, and uh, into a, into uh, a form what is that, that could be, uh, you know, worked on. I was putting it into Notepad and then putting it into my on hand. And if I went into Bluetooth mode and read the news app that way, that might make sense. But I wanted to record in Boss Jock. So, you know, I don't know. Could it not have been exported to something like Instapaper or... Something like that? I didn't see anything for exporting. Oh. But I need to look further because 
in there and I just didn't look far enough. Do you yeah, usually you under know. share shared <clears throat> under more you might find like Instapaper. Ah, uh, or... you're absolutely right and I do have that app. That might really be the easy thing to do. Yeah, except that I wanted it in a I wanted it so that I could read it in braille. Ah. Um, you know, I wanted it I mean, I could have had the app read it, but I wanted to be able to read it and gotcha. uh, you know. Gotcha. So anyway, but I took a couple of things out of there there was a uh, a really neat thing about chocolate chip cookies about different suggestions for making really good chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. yep. and um there was also a neat thing about chocolate covered strawberries for valentine's day oh, i i like that and kind of stuff but a lot of the strawberry chocolate covered strawberries out there are not that great you, you know that uh or just the quality of them is not that great so she tells us some different tips for how we can make our own oh i see what you're saying well yeah now it's time for sound bite 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 <laughs> <laughs> when you are making chocolate for the first time and melting it uh, there's no need to uh, use a double boiler or put it in bags or whatever. If you get yourself a small, teeny, tiny little crock pot, that will melt the chocolate if you put it on low. And you can keep it on hand for easy dipping. Or you can search for uh, chocolate dipping. I guess I would do a search for chocolate dipping on QVC or HSN. They have actual machines, uh, warmers that heat the chocolate to a perfect level and they give you little forks to dip your fruits in oh. and it's in a little it it, it comes Yum. in a little pot with a heating element on the bottom and then you just take your forks stab your fruit dip it <clears> into <throat> the chocolate and then you put them on a rack and let them cool so you can put them right into your freezer for beautiful wonderful eating Yum. yeah and you can dip wow. i'm gonna tell you guys and the soundbite goes on and on and on. You can <laughs> you can use um, Ritz crackers for dipping. You can oh. use potato chips. Yum. Uh, what else can you think of that you what's uh, that you could dip chocolate? I mean, anything goes good. Oh, cake like pound cake <laughs> or marshmallows. Oh, please. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so there there need be no mess. Uh, you know, if you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I guess that's the end of the soundbite. So you don't have to have a chocolate fountain. Right, right. Um, Yeah. How did you do your chocolate dipping? (laughs) Uh, Well, I made chocolate fondue, and, you know, that reminds me. um, Somebody years ago gave me a recipe for chocolate-covered pretzels. Oh, I've had them. But for some reason, it said to add some oil to it. And I don't know that that, I don't know where she got the recipe, but it never seemed that the chocolate held. This would have been better to dip them into the melted chocolate, not the oil. Have you ever made them? Not with oil. Yeah. 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 Yes, I have. But, I've made them. Yeah. And isn't it just dipping into the melted chocolate? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've never used any kind of oil for, for But what is it about getting, like, okay, so using a warmer like that would make 
it at the perfect temperature. Otherwise, you have to really get it just right. Oh, yeah. And when you get it just right, is it is it like at a temperature that's handleable? How's that for a word? Yeah, well, I like the handleable. <laughs> little... <laughs> uh, well, you know, you got to be careful. It's um... Is it really hot? Is it hot enough to, to like... I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay. When you were a kid, did you ever light candles and then turn the candles over while they were burning and dip hot wax on yourself? No. I did. I was a deprived child. I I did. (laughs) I would drip hot wax onto my hands and that would cool. And it would, uh, I'm not telling you to run out, ladies and gentlemen, do this. I'm just saying this is what I did. Um, And then your hand would look like a skeleton when the wax would harden. Well, the chocolate is kind of like that, only being that there's sugar in it, it would really hurt. So That would hurt. I I mean, I've done paraffin dipping on my hands and feet, and that feels warm. Right. really would hurt. Yeah. I've had chocolate at comfortable temperature where it's melted and it's really, it's comfortable. It's not too, too, too hot, but I don't know... If it needs, does it need to be at that certain temperature and too hard or what? What is it about that temperature? Well, the temperature, the chocolate has to be malleable, but yet not boiling to where it's going to, you know, burn. So it's got to be just at the right dipping stage where you can just, and, and you need like some kind of a, like a heavier toothpick or some kind of a plastic fork so you can then lower the the piece of fruit that you're dipping uh you know so you're going to need something you Mm -hmm. can't just i don't recommend rolling it around because that's just too darn hot and you get too much chocolate on it and and so you gotta you gotta use some kind of a thing stab it well they you know there are things on the food network i've seen where they make they make clothes out of chocolate and like buildings out of chocolate i mean they make all they make just Huge, huge, huge kinds of of items out of chocolate. I mean, just yeah. incredible. I don't know how they do it. I I don't know either. I'm just more <laughs> concerned with dipping something in and let it harden and eating it. I don't want to make buildings or anything. <laughs> That's what I would recommend is just to get a chocolate warmer and uh, go from there. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a nice thing to talk about around Valentine's Day. Are you doing anything for your Valentine tomorrow? Um, Should we not say? Well, it's not that kind of a show. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't mean that. I meant you're going to surprise her. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I like my former thought. Well, now you've got it. Now I, I can't, uh, I don't have a straight face anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was a little crooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, along with my personality. Yeah, I know, I know how that goes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but you're proud of it. <laughs> I really am. I'm really happy with myself. I know. <laughs> I know. I have noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, a anyway, lo- a lot more stuff coming up. So you're okay. gonna you're gonna like what we have to offer in in the rest of the show. And and uh, are we planning on doing the instant pot for next week? Yes, I think so. What do you think? I well, doesn't that sound good? I think it sounds great. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I I don't know how long people are going to be with us, but I would imagine we're going to get a a 
pretty full show out of that. This show, is, um, that show is going to be so jam packed full of people and good times that uh, you'll want to catch. Yeah. Next week's for certain. Absolutely. <laughs> Forget about this week's. <laughs> <laughs> just, just listen to Brian's part. He's got. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Did you want to talk about some other like substitutions or something or something? I guess I'll do that. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Um, Debbie and I were talking a little while ago, um, and we were talking about. <laughs> What happens if you can't cook in your home or something goes awry and you just don't know how to deal with it? Well, some of the things that happened to me, our uh, our oven went out on us. The heating element is, has been gone for, believe it or not, a couple of months. So we, we do have to get, we can't decide whether we're going to get a different stove and put it on payments or get a, get an element. And the reason I can't decide is because my electric element, this is the fifth time this has gone out. Jeez. And each time it ends up costing me about 50 bucks. <laughs> Randy, how, I mean, haven't they told you not to not to burn your candles at both ends? <laughs> <laughs> I really shouldn't light a fire in my oven, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so what we did last week was really cool. It was, it was about 12 degrees outside, uh, but in the sun it was about 38. I went outside... And got my Traeger smoker grill, and uh, mm-hmm. while, while that was um, getting ready and starting to smoke, um, <coughs> we made breaded pork chops. We have a really good breaded pork chop recipe, which I'll give at some point. Um, not during this show, but sometime when a little bit more time <laughs> to work with. Uh, the batter gets all nice and puffy, and it's wonderful breaded yum, pork chops. Yum. And I put those on the uh, smoker, but I put it on grill rather than smoke, and it took probably about an hour for those pork chops. Mm. And uh, then inside, in the uh, portable oven, we have a Cook's Essentials portable <coughs> oven, which is like um, a cooking well. It's not a toaster oven, but it's a cooking well oven. It's square, okay, and it's deep, and you can cook things in it. And we made corn pudding, which I did give you a recipe for. Yep. So we had corn pudding and <coughs> smoked grilled breaded pork chops. Wow. And that was with, you know, uh, something that we normally would do in the regular oven but we had to improvise so if you if you think that you have something that you can improvise while you're cooking try it out and see what happens yeah and uh, that's cool another time uh back in uh 1987 i'll never forget this but uh my um former wife and i <laughs> i was bringing her up <laughs> we had an ex-valentine we had yes we had a we had a hard hard time um one time uh, trying to come up with we had just moved and this is the weirdest thing you're probably ever going to hear from me <laughs> maybe <laughs> but I doubt we, it. we needed to put some stuff in the freezer and we didn't know our neighbors and it had started, uh, you're probably going to guess this, but uh, as we were moving, <laughs> it was on the 30th of November. We uh, were moving into a new house and we buried our meat and freezer things under the snow and it snowed so deep that it covered <coughs> everything up and we left it that way until <laughs> until January, well, mid, <laughs> mid-February underneath that snow because in Minnesota it gets well below yeah. zero. So yeah, just, sure. I would go out there and dig up uh, some ribs <laughs> and my friends we, we'd come out we'd you know have a couple of beers and I'd go out and they'd say well, what, what, what should we take out of the freezer they say well god we don't see any freezer we see just a little you freezer fridge and I said well come with me so I took them outside <laughs> and we unburied ribs out onto the oh, backyard oh that's so funny and true 
Yeah. So I, improvise. I, improvise. That's right. I remember defrosting my refrigerator when I lived uh, when I lived in grad in uh, when I lived in graduate school. <laughs> when I lived in <laughs> I lived in Georgia when I was in graduate school. Yeah. And I wanted to defrost my refrigerator and it was a cold day. So I just put things outside. You know, I'm like, hey, nothing's going to thaw out. It was like 30 degrees or something outside. Mm -hmm. I just stuck it all out there, defrosted my refrigerator, and, you know, next to no time, had everything back in. I mean, it was just great. See, I'm not not the only one that's weird around here. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) You don't get to to take claim for that. (laughs) No, I'm glad we think the same things. It's uh, (laughs) kind of scary, but nice to know. It is. It well, is. But I mean, you know, it is good to, it's good to improvise. It's good to improvise with ingredients. It's good to be creative. Think about what what you have on hand, um, both, you know, in cupboards and in, you know, I mean, I've known people who will take, uh, you know, take some meat, uh, take some, make some pasta, open a can of soup, yep. you know, add some seasonings, maybe add some vegetables or or do that with dessert, you know, take uh, take some fruit, take some ice cream. Oh, uh, stop right there. You <laughs> know, any, I mean, it's just, there are so many ways to be creative. And what we love is to make it fun, yeah. you know, and, and just to uh, just to allow it to be fun, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, when I, speaking of ice cream, one time I had soft ice cream, uh, just oh. set it out a little bit. And mm-hmm. I added a can of fruit cocktail. I wanted fruit and ice cream, go. and that's what I had. And you got it. It was great. And you got it. And you could have, you could have even, uh, you know, you could just break up a couple of cookies in a bowl and yeah. put it on top, or, oh, yeah. or you know, I mean, it's just there are so many ways to be creative. And if you, you know? didn't want to do that, just eat the ice cream right out of the carton. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Or take a bite of fruit cocktail and then a bite of ice cream if you don't want to, you know. <laughs> there you go, and then bury it in the backyard when it's cold. <laughs> bury it in the backyard. Yep, there you go. Frozen fruit. <laughs> okay, I guess that probably just wraps it up right there. It does. So happy Valentine's Day, everyone, and enjoy chocolate. I mean, chocolate just kind of something about Valentine's Day and chocolate, you know? I do. It's just extra sweet. It really is. And those candy hearts. Somebody was asking me about those little candy hearts that say things. I mean, you know, I used to have people that read them to me, but I never had anybody, like, pick them out for me or anything to give to anyone, you know? I mean, but, I mean, I remember people reading them to me, and they have different sizes of them that say things, too. Some of them are bigger. Some of them are smaller, but... um, but oh, the chocolate ones! Yum, yum, yum! Yeah, chocolate heart heart boxes and all that. I get the girls in second grade to line them up so they made sense. You know the Valentine's. Oh, how cute! Yeah, and I, you know, would you do this for me? Oh, sure. You know, and they would. They put them into some kind of order that made sense to me. But. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did they stay there? <laughs> you mean the girls? How long do they stay there? No. Oh. <laughs> Oh, the bell! Oh, no, I ate them right away. I, mean, I didn't you care. You ate them right away. <laughs> That's funny. And the girls left right away, too. I think they were screaming as they left. Like, He's yeah. nuts. <laughs> He's nuts. Get out of here. <laughs> 
I love it. Okay, here we are in the kitchen at the Charleston household. I've got my iPhone recording, and I'm about to whip up a quick batch of nachos for Rick and I as we prepare for this evening's Yin Yang Show, heard on ACB Radio every Thursday evening from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. That is the Yin Yang Show on ACB Radio Interactive. So I'm going to have to start by heating up my oven. It has a pressure-sensitive back screen to it, so I'm going to press bake, go over to the arrows, and press up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, to bring it up 50 more degrees, 5 degree increments, starting with 350, and then press the go. Oh, I didn't do it fast enough. Talk to you too long. Let's try again. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, go. So now the oven should be preheating. I'm going to come over to this side of the kitchen beyond my cutting board and locate the parchment paper cut to be the right size for my cookie sheets, sometimes called half sheet pans. I can't imagine in restaurants, I guess they have full sheet pans, but these are the maximum size you can put into a standard home kitchen. Put those back away over here. Then I'm going to take this bag of tortilla chips. It's a brown paper bag style. Bought at the health food store. Let's open those up for the first time. Boy, those don't open easy. And then I'll take this over to the half sheet pan we just prepared. Cover the sheet pan with those triangle yellow corn tortilla chips. Let's see if I overdid it. I don't think so. You can never have too many nachos. I'm going to do nachos. Do them up right, for heaven's sake. Okay. So there's that. Fold those up and close to keep them fresh for the next time one of those fold folded over and over again, the lip of the bag, and then a couple of twistums on the edges that hold it in place. So there's that. Next on nachos, we need grated cheese. So down comes the box cheese grater. Down comes a large, individual but large pasta bowl. Stand that up in there. Already reached in the refrigerator and pulled out a package contains a block of cheddar cheese. We use Ziploc bags around here a lot to keep things fresh longer. But this time I can take the original packaging off because it will be small enough to fit in the Ziploc bag entirely. Into the trash goes that little piece of trash. Now I'm going to grate, oh, maybe Mm, half a pound of cheese, cheddar cheese or so. So running it down the box grater. I hold it at a 45 degree angle or so uh, with the handle part up against my body to hold it firm and use the block of cheese in a downward swiping motion, reversing it from time to time so that the grated edge of the remaining block will still be at an angle to slice if I'm going to slice them off for a sandwich or something like that. Boy, I'm salivating. Just 
smelling the cheddar cheese and talking about food. You know, you'd think I didn't have lunch. I did. It was a standard sandwich and chips kind of lunch today. But uh, when I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll make nachos when I get home. Rick deserves to have some good munchies while we wait for what's likely to be a late takeout dinner. Uh, Kim and our friend Vicky are off to an event, so they won't get home till 8 o'clock. And we're always on yin-yang show night. Thursday night we do takeout. So there I have a half a pound of freshly grated cheese. Take that bowl over to where the pan is and begin sprinkling it across the nachos that are already in the pan. It may be that I need to do more cheese. I'm going to have to see how much coverage I get with this. There we go, sprinkling that around. I think this may be enough. We'll see. I try to get to the edges and work my way toward the center. The center always tends, you know, to have more cheese than it needs and the edges less cheese than they need. So I'm going around the edges using the heel of my hand to trace where the edge of the pan is as I take that fistful and kind of sprinkle it through my fingers onto the chips. It usually works for me. Okay, this looks like a little balder space. Is that what you call it? Where there's chips that don't have enough cheese on them? The bald spot? I don't want to offend anybody by, you know, being, you wouldn't call it sexist, ageist, whatever, harassed, I guess. And that goes there, brushing it out the bottom of the bowl with my fingertips. And I want to assure you I washed my hands before I started all of this, but I didn't think you needed to hear me record that. So the bowl goes in the sink, and then I move over to a can of... Well, let's put that away first. Don't want to take a chance that I forget it out on the counter. Put the cheese away. Ziploc. Into the fridge it goes. Up where the butter normally goes in the door of a refrigerator. That's where we keep our cheese anyway. Now I'm going to grab this can with the braille label that says jalapenos on it. <sighs> jalapenos. And I'm gonna reach over to the cabinet and grab my ever so conventional can opener. Now these jalapenos came canned rather than in a jar. I was not the person who went to the grocery store to buy these this time. I'm, I might be a bit snobbish about that. and I like to have my jalapenos in a jar, but these are in a can. And any, any jalapeno in a storm. There we go. I'm going to drain these off in the sink. A little vinegar is a good thing. A lot of vinegar, not so, not so much. So, those are drained off. Be careful not to cut myself on the lid. And come back over here to my pan and sprinkle jalapenos over it. Now there are those who say you put them on after you cook it. I'm not of that opinion. I think they need a little roasting themselves. So I'm sprinkling this can of jalapenos. Again, using much the same method I did for the cheese to try to get them distributed fairly evenly across the surface. And there you go. Make sure the last one's got out of that can. There we go. That can quick rinse of the can. 
further I can put that out in the recycle bin. So you get the whole meal deal here with this recording. Out to the recycle bin I go. Got a door in the back of the kitchen area into the pantry slash sunroom though. Today it's anything but a sunroom. It's actually 14 degrees outside. So let's drop that into the recycle bin and get back to the kitchen. Doors closing and back to the oven. Let's see how that oven is doing. I checked before I turned it on to make sure that the rack was in the middle position. Uh, plenty hot coming out of there, so at 400 degrees that should be pretty good. I'm going to open that up and take that cheap pan and put it in the oven. And close it up. Now, because I'm a techie guy, I'm going to talk as I clean up after myself. I clean as I cook. I try not to leave things all about. You should have heard the blue language in this room when I came home to do this and found that last night's cleaning effort by the family was not particularly pristine. Anyway, so I put things away as I cook. The pans go in the, in the sink. I wash them by the time the food's cooked. So I'm putting the chips back to where we keep chips and returning back and forth through multiple doors to make all that happen. I keep discovering things in the kitchen this evening. So, let's see here. Anything else sitting out? Yes, gotta put cheese grater in the sink for now. Put the, what's that thing called? Yeah, can opener away. I have out a package or tub of sour cream to go on that. So let me see if I can get that plastic strip to break. There we go. Open that up for later. Uh, we generate so much garbage in a modern kitchen, don't we? Everything comes packaged in one form or another. So let's see what else is going on here that will raise my blood pressure when I see it. You know those big plastic barrels that you get, uh, oh, something like party mix, or maybe uh, you might get in yours the um, pretzels or something like that. Well, that's what I've got in my hand. That didn't get put back where it belonged. This plastic ware did not get put back to where it belonged. Uh, there are the hot pads, not quite in the wrong place, but they're trying to be in the wrong place. Ah, this is the one thing I'm responsible for, so I take, a, take blame for leaving the spider out. I don't know if anybody knows what a spider is. It's kind of a wire mesh basket on the end of a handle to dip things out when you're deep fat frying something. Or in my case, I was stir frying the other night and I was sweeping things out of my um, wok and into a bowl to the side as I cooked each component before I put it all back in the pan to finish it off. Uh, salt shaker not on the table, in the kitchen, on the counter. Boy, it just goes on and on, doesn't it? Yeah, he's griping all the time, that Brian character. You can't trust him. Back I go over here. Let's give a peek in the oven to see how the nachos are doing. Heat is fine. I'm not hearing much in the way of sizzle yet. So I 
do not believe that they are at the point of that melty, congealed kind of experience that they should have. So I found all of these leftover containers hand-washed and set where they don't belong. So I might as well take this opportunity to close these, you know what bento boxes are? These, this Japanese way of having snap-on lids, not like Tupperware, though I'm fond of Tupperware. These are hard plastic and they have compartments within them so that you can build a lunch out of small items. In this particular case, these bento boxes go into a bento lunch kit. Don't know what that is left out. Know what those are. Know where that goes. No, it doesn't. That's the wrong one for that. Oh, it's truly amazing. Be patient, Brian. Not everybody is so worked up over cleaning as you go as you are. I'll just have to live with that, I guess. Nothing's missing, is it? No. Everything that should be there is there. There's the lid I was looking for. Okay, so the bento boxes all have their bento box lids on them. I think you can hear those snapping into place. So we have the bento boxes that have to go into the bento box lunch components up here. Reach over the refrigerator to the two different bento box zipper lunch boxes. And we will... See, with this is full of sound effects. That's the goal here, to make you feel part of the kitchen experience. Mm, I'm starting to smell things coming out of the oven. That is a good thing. Bento box one. Bento box coming out number two. You go in that lunch box. And this kind of bento box goes in the other lunch zipper carryout case. But there's only one in there, which means another one has been put where it doesn't belong, so I'll worry about that a little later. I just like to keep myself busy while I'm waiting for things to cook. Going to once again open the door of the stove. Boy, that smells good. So I'm gonna reach for my hot pad here. Keep a stack of, of hot pads over to the side of the stove top. Pull that out. Tap it on top with my fingertips to see if the cheese has all melted trick is melt the cheese without burning the chips. I think that just may be done, so put that on the stove top, push the rack back in, get closer here, hmm, yeah, I think that that's pretty good actually, so I'm going to let that sit for a bit and then take it on down to Rick add some sour cream, and we will have nachos before the show. So that concludes this creation of nachos in the Charleston kitchen prior to the recording, or broadcasting rather, because we're live, of the Yin Yang Show. Thanks for listening. Hi there. 
Well, I went looking through my Apple News app and they give all this other news about, you know, what's going on in the world and politics and all that. And I said, no, I don't want any of that. So I went under Epicurious and I found two things. One is how to make the best chocolate chip cookies you've ever eaten. And there are five easy steps. It comes from Epicurious and it is by Rhoda Boone. And it was published on February 9th, 2016. She says it only took 18 batches to get the best ever. She says, she says, the truth about sex and pizza applies to these cookies, that there are many ways to make cookies, and even bad ones are somewhat pleasurable to eat. But, she says, specific to chocolate chip cookies, rarely are they ever very, very good. And that is true. I don't like most chocolate chip cookies out there. If I see chocolate chip cookies at the checkout counters in different places, I usually kind of go, Ugh, no, I don't think so. Um, and I don't know. There just are, there are many people who will eat a chocolate chip cookie of any kind and be very happy with it. I am a lot more picky. So she says, um, let's see. She says, very, very good means different things to different people, of course. Some crave tall and cakey cookies. No, not me. And others like them flat and lacy. I'm more like that. There are gooey, chewy advocates in this corner and crispy, crumbly advocates in the other. I'm more like the, the crispy, crumbly, but I might like... I might like some that are a little bit chewy, but crisp edges. That's me talking. <laughs> My ideal cookie, she says, it has a slightly soft center, crisp edges, notes of butterscotch, and a shiny crackled top, and pockets of molten chocolate throughout. Oh, and it has to be so good that it makes all other cookies seem pitiful in comparison. Yeah, it better be really good for me to go, yeah, chocolate chip. I mean, really, I prefer a bit of a crispy, like a sugar cookie or a shortbread cookie or a butter cookie. And I don't want lemon in them unless they're lemon cookies. Like, I don't want people to put lemon in a butter cookie or lemon in a, a white or regular like vanilla yellow cake. Oh no, but that's just me talking again. <laughs> so I, she says she started baking. She says, I had just a few parameters, no added ingredients like walnuts, oats, or peanut butter, and no required overnight rest. Yes, I know there's intel out there that a rest can develop a dough's flavors, but waiting for a cookie to cool is torture enough. Who has the willpower to wait a full 24 hours before even baking them? <laughs> okay, butter gives cookies tender centers, crisp edges, and tons of flavor. 
She says, I learned through testing that beating melted butter with sugar produces a center, flatter cookie. Beating room temperature butter with sugar whips air into the mixture and produces a lighter, fluffier cookie. Note, when Epicurious says room temperature butter, we mean butter that easily yields to a thumbprint but is not warm enough to be greasy or melting. These chocolate chip cookies had a nice butterscotch flavor and crisp edge, so I used them as a jumping off point for our flour to buttered ratio. The team and I also liked their size, which butter helps to determine as well as it dictates the spread of a cookie while it bakes. See a recipe that calls for shortening? Run away. Okay, so she does not like shortening. And I've been kind of on the fence about this because Jules uh, in the gluten-free cookies uh, has said that the shortening, half shortening and half butter tends to be good. I know some people who have used um, coconut oil and... Uh, or just, just that, and or coconut oil and butter. Anyway, she says, in my opinion, shortening's unpleasant mouthfeel and pasty flavor had no business in these cookies. Use a one-to-one -one ratio of granulated to light brown sugar. She says, we tried cookies with just granulated sugar, too flat, too brittle, just light brown sugar, too wet, too soft. Just dark brown sugar, overwhelming molasses flavor. I feel like I'm in Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <laughs> this one's too hot, too hard, too cold. <laughs> okay, these chocolate chunk cookies had an almost one-to-one -one ratio of granulated to light brown sugar that set us on the right track. Equal parts of these sugars brings a nice balance of crispiness and moistness with just the right amount of caramel flavor. Yum. I like to think of, she says, I like to think of leavener in baking as being like the perfect bra. <laughs> you want just the right amount of lift to avoid droopiness, but not so much that it seems artificial. Baking soda, she's talking about baking soda and baking powder here. Baking soda is powerful stuff. Oh, I use baking soda for everything, by the way. This is me talking. I brush my teeth with it a lot. I use it a lot for odors. Um, I use it for uh, bites if I get stung like by ants or something. Baking soda is a paste with water. It's great for uh, heartburn and all that. But anyway, okay. Um, okay, she says three to four times more powerful than baking powder is baking soda. Not only does it react with acid found here in brown sugar to inflate the cookie dough, it also helps with browning. Baking powder is more gentle and doesn't need an acid to activate. It also provides double-acting leavening power, which means it reacts twice, once when combined with liquid and once when heated in the oven during baking. 
This double lift ensures a light and fluffy cookie crumb. Too much baking soda or powder in a recipe can give your cookies an unpleasant metallic taste. Not enough can leave them flat and pale. The team and I tried recipes with just baking soda and just baking powder, but thought the blend in these salty chocolate chunk cookies, I didn't see the recipe for that anywhere, but anyway, yielded the best cookie structure and browning. I should have told you that at the end in case you wanted to stop listening. <laughs> the perfect cookie has to have all its components in harmony, and that includes the flour. Too much flour and your cookies will be too dense, too cakey, and have a more store-bought texture. Yuck. Too little flour and you'll miss out on a wonderful, craggy, irregular texture. Mm. And wheat flour, I love this, it has a distracting nutty flavor. Chocolate chip cookies are all about pleasure kids, this is not the time to try to be healthy. <laughs> These cookies taught me I really prefer chopping my own chocolate chunks. Our test kitchen found higher quality options and superior meltability in hand-chopped chocolate bars over purchased chocolate chips. I don't even think chocolate chips taste that great anymore unless you get a really unique brand. She says stabilizers to prevent melting. Okay, chocolate chips do that. Once you've had a cookie with unpredictable nooks and crannies oozing with molten chocolate, you really can't go back. And what I've been using lately, me talking again, is I've been using Andy's mints and I've been just cutting them into lots of little squares. Here's a tip if you want your chunks to act more like chips. Try gently shaking them in a fine mesh strainer to remove the small shavings before folding the chocolate in. This step will give your cookies a cleaner look. And when you're aiming for perfection, looks count. Okay, so here's another article because tomorrow is Valentine's Day, or if you're listening to it on Sunday, February 14th, it's Valentine's Day. So these chocolate-dipped Valentine's strawberries have a secret, and this is by Adina Stamen, A-D-I-N-A-S-T-E-I-M-A-N. Every one of us here at Epicurious has a clandestine Valentine's Day wish for the holiday. Some of us yearn to recreate retro menus from the 1970s to celebrate the holiday. Others are simply content to relax with a few squares of good chocolate, a drizzle of olive oil, and a sprinkle of salt. Some of us who won't be satisfied by anything less than a homemade chocolate souffle or a morning surprise of pancakes with roasted strawberry sauce. Yum. Me, she says, not me, but her. <laughs> Aside from my fondness of a very specific roster of mail-order chocolates, my Valentine's Day wishes couldn't be more cliched. 
I like chocolate-dipped strawberries, and I refuse to be ashamed about it. Yes, strawberries are wildly out of season right now. Yes, our gargantuan proportions of the berries used for dipping are absurd. And the chocolate that they're traditionally dipped in is usually one step above a melted candy bar, sometimes worse. Unless, of course, you make them at home. Of course, making your own chocolate-dipped strawberries won't mean you'll be able to magically source ruby red ripe berries, but you will have complete control over your chocolate. And that means you can choose not only between white, milk, dark, 70%, etc. You also have the option of flavoring that chocolate. Me, and this is her. <laughs> I opt for white chocolate. Oh, I love white chocolate. Since when melted, it blends perfectly with a big handful of pulverized freeze-dried strawberries. Dipping strawberries into strawberry-flavored chocolate is the kind of perfect pairing that Valentine's Day was built to celebrate. But you know what V-Day was also meant to celebrate? A little bit of teasing. So to really set these strawberries apart, give them a second layer. Dip these strawberries dipped strawberries into more pulverized strawberries for a final hint of color, or roll them in crushed pistachios for another layer of flavor, or to make them really seductive, chill them until set, then dip into dark chocolate and let the white chocolate just barely peek out at the top. What lies beneath the dark chocolate will be an irresistible secret, just the kind of secret Valentine's Day was made for. Okay, well, I hope you like, and uh, if you decide to make any of these, have fun, and we'll see what else we've got for you. Thanks so much for listening. What is cooking? We are happy to hear from you. And we have a new phone number, 206-736-9301. Email hazelnuts at acbradio.org and find us on Twitter at acbhazelnuts. Time's up. Running late, guys. See you next week when we learn how to cook with your phone.